What's up, homies? Welcome to another episode of the Homies Real Estate Podcast. This is your host, Anthony. I'm Angel. I'm a realtor. I'm a lender. And together, we're going to break down this crazy real estate market. We got a great podcast for you today. This is for you investors or you people or homies who are looking to purchase an investment property. These are some questions that we've been asked. So we figured let's make a podcast about it. How to purchase an investment property. What does the financing look like? What is property management? What are the benefits of purchasing investment property? So these are questions that Angel and I are going to answer. So Angel, let's just hop right in. What down payment and requirements do you need to purchase an investment property? Yeah, good question. So I'll go over them real quickly. So minimum credit score, you're gonna need you're gonna need at least a six twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, down payment's gonna range from fifteen to twenty five percent. Your maximum debt to income ratio is forty five percent, and then you're usually gonna need a required reserves of somewhere between two to six months, right? Um, depending on uh, the big thing when it comes to figuring out if a credit score is going to be eligible, like a lot of times a 620 is not going to qualify. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's not up for us to decide. Well, sometimes the bank does set a limit. Like we're not going to lend out to, and we're not going to do investment property unless you have a 660 FICO score better. Um, But also it's up to the, uh, um, the automated underwriting system, excuse me, the DU or the LP, like we, we call it in the lending world. If this system, this computerized system we run it through, um, takes it and then the bank allows you to go down to 620 then you can move forward many times it doesn't mm-hmm. you need at least usually i mean i have one right now an investment property and an investment refinance it's a 660 credit score right and then but really where it makes sense is 700 plus fico scores just for the you're going to get better interest rates right and better terms and all those things um and then the reserves as well depends on what the system requires okay sometimes might require the lower the credit score usually requires a little bit more reserves um things like that down payment all depends of course on what type of financing you are doing or uh, how many units i should say 15 percent down will be for single family units will be 25 percent or more right so or 25 percent minimum i should say gotcha thanks angel that's really important uh, that clarification there. Are there higher interest rates for investment properties than there are for a uh, primary residence? Yeah, so definitely interest rates are higher, right? These are riskier loans to the bank, right? Because you're not going to be one making the payment. You're depending on a tenant to make the payment. And if tenants not making the payment, then guess what? You're, you're going to have to be paying out of your pocket. Mm-hmm. So bottom line is it's a riskier loan to the to the banks and to the investors so what do they do is they of course increase interest rate i would say typically around one percent so right now rates are at let's say 5.5 percent and investment rate you're looking at about 6.5 percent of course depending on your down payment FICO score and all the other factors that come in with that dictate um interest rate pricing gotcha yeah so it's looking like a one percent higher mm-hmm. than would you to what you would traditionally see for a primary residence and a home that you're purchasing to live in. Yeah. Um, Angel, can you purchase owner occupied then rent it out after a year as an investment property? Yeah, of course you could definitely do that. You, when you purchase your property, you, you know, the goal is, or when you have to live in the property for a year, right? After you live in that property for a year, if you want to go ahead and rent it out at that point, there's definitely no problems. You're not breaking any laws or guidelines or, or rules in doing so. Yeah, and that might be a good idea to try to lock in a lower rate so that you're not mm-hmm. stuck with a 1% higher interest rate. So mm-hmm. something to consider if you can see yourself uh, living there for one year. Because, again, you have to follow 
those guidelines. If not, it's considered mortgage fraud and he mm -hmm. can get in trouble. Exactly. So there are some investment property tax implications, mm -hmm. right? And let's take a look at some of these. The mortgage interest rate on an investment property is fully tax deductible. You can also deduct many expenses related to the property, including property taxes, maintenance, insurance, and also depreciation. If you rent out the home for more than 14 days per year, the rental income is tax. Uh, it, the rental income is taxable, right? And in addition to the mortgage interest, again, there's property taxes, there's maintenance, utilities, insurance, materials and supplies used for the upkeep of the property, advertising the property to attract renters. There's a lot of things that could be written off, which is why a lot of people like purchasing investment properties because of the tax benefits. Angel, let's talk about property management. So uh, just real quick too, before we jump into the property management, it's like a quick disclaimer. We're mm -hmm. not tax professionals. Anything when it comes to investment property, we highly recommend you go mm -hmm. talk to a professional tax, your tax preparer, CPA, just to verify mm -hmm. or clarify anything related to the tax benefits and or or anything tax related to an investment property. Yeah, absolutely, Angel. Thank you for for saying that. I'm yeah. not a I'm not a CPA. I'm not doing your taxes. So you want to make sure you run it by them. Um, Angel, let's talk about property management. So, what is property management, and then how much do they typically charge? Yeah. So, property management is is the people who it's what the name says, right? They manage your property, and they usually charge about eight to twelve percent. So, these are some of the things that they would do for you for managing your property they first they know how the market is right because they usually work with homes in that area so they know how much to rent your property for um they show your property to potential tenants that will qualify they screen your tenants making sure they have the right credit scores you know see their income verify all those things right um and then they collect rent on your behalf so what they do is they collect the rent take their portion and then pay you out your your um your cash flow right or the money mm -hmm. after after their fees and then and we, they handle the late rents and evictions any things like that they'll take care of all those things so those are just some things real quick that uh, property management does another big thing is maintenance they take care of maintenance so if the property needs to have maintenance done they'll go out there and arrange arrange the maintenance to, to be fixed yeah exactly so it pretty much takes everything off of your plate so if mm -hmm. you just wanted to not have to worry about a single thing none of those late night calls none of those handling tenant complaints and all that stuff property management takes care of it a lot of people especially when you're out of the state prefer to do this just because it's just too much mm -hmm. with the time difference or also just to travel all the way over there to do uh, <laughs> uh repairs and maintenance so uh typically it's very common for out of state or mm -hmm. as you become an investor with a larger portfolio. Once you have a larger portfolio, it's just too much work to have to worry about five, six, seven properties to always have to do maintenance calls and repairs and stuff like that. It just makes more sense at that point. If mm -hmm. it makes financial sense to just outsource the uh, the property management and get that done for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so Anthony, one thing um, besides from everything we mentioned, mm -hmm. what are besides the tax, you know, obviously, the tax benefits but what's mm -hmm. other benefits of purchasing rental properties yeah so there's a lot of benefits to purchasing rental properties one is it generates passive income right uh, and as your property values increase so does your investment and this can really compound over time real estate values also 
tend, generally tend to be a little bit more stable than the stock market. So you're not going to see those fluctuations very much like you're seeing right now with stocks, you know, decreasing 20% in the last couple of months, whereas home prices are still staying strong. Um, rental income is not included as part of your income that's subject to social security tax. So that's nice to know. And then there's also a lot of tax benefits, like we mentioned before, that you can write off and depreciation that you can write off that only makes that cash flow higher, that only makes that return on investment better. Mm -hmm. So these are some of the benefits that come with purchasing rental properties. One of them that I really want to emphasize is how you're able to leverage real estate and really start to generate wealth quickly. So what I would say is if you have one property, right, that you put, you know, 20% down on, right? Let's just say it's a $500,000 property and you put 20% down on and that property appreciates, you know, 10%. So now you made uh, $50,000 because now it went from 500 to 550. Now just imagine if you're, if you had a portfolio that's 10 of those homes, right? So now you have, you know, instead of having $500,000 in, in real estate values, you have $5 million in real estate values. And that $5 million goes up 10%, right? Because of home appreciation the past year. Now that $5 million turned into $500,000 in real estate wealth, right? In appreciation, in wealth, in equity. So it's just it really starts to compound over time. And now you have a $5 million, $500,000 portfolio. And then you give that another 10%. And then the next year, another 10%. And then it just really starts to compound over time with home appreciation. I will say that home appreciation is not guaranteed. Like there are times where, where the market will start to slow down. But in general, as you've seen, as we've all seen, the real estate market tends to go up. You know, I can't even I can't even think of what prices were 50 years ago. I would imagine, you know, that $500,000 home was probably $80,000, right? $70,000 and now it's okay. worth, you know, 7, 8, 9 times more. So, mm -hmm. uh this is really where real estate comes as a really strong tool in building wealth and the most the wealthiest people in the world they they hold real estate and they hold it for a reason. And I think one thing Anthony didn't touch on as um, a benefit is not only wealth for yourself, but for your future family and for generations and generations, right? Generational wealth is created through real estate, right? So um, whenever you're purchasing an investment property or any home, even your primary residence mm -hmm. and you pass away, you just gave your, if you have kids or whoever the case may be, pass, whoever you're passing it on to, you just gave them such a huge asset to their life, right? That they mm -hmm. can leverage in other ways to hopefully build more uh, wealth for the next next generation and so on and so on. So I think that's a major benefit. And me now having a kid is something that I really, that makes me more look, makes me look at that even more now. And you definitely just want to have um, more for your, your kids and then for their kids and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. And then here's one nugget that we didn't cover on this podcast yet. And it's really important. And I think a lot of people overlook this. I see it all the time. When you own investment property, please stay on top of your yearly rent increases. Because when you fall behind, it makes it that much more difficult to sell the property. Just imagine you're trying to sell your investment property. It comes with the tenants. The tenants are paying 50% of what the rent 
value is, right? The market rent value. So instead of paying three thousand dollars, they're paying fifteen hundred dollars. Oh, an investor that wants to purchase a property, it doesn't make sense for them. So now you're weeding out all the investors because they're not going to want to pick up a property that's getting, you know, 50% of what the rent should be. So you want to make sure that you stay on top of your rent increases because it makes it so much easier to sell your property and you can sell your property for more. Yep. Not, yeah, I mean, it's hard. Sometimes you become friends with your tenants and they've been good tenants over time, mm -hmm. but, you know, you have to do what's... Um, can that that like Anthony said you don't think about it in the moment, but later you may need to sell your property for whatever reason. And those are the properties that I think we both see sit on the market the longest. Yes, is those duplexes and triplexes where yeah, one or two of the vacant is two one or two of the units are vacant, but then they have that one tenant that's paying eight hundred bucks on something that should be twenty eight hundred dollars a month. Mm -hmm. It it does it really does kill a lot of deals. It and, kills a and, tremendous and, amount of um, deals. It doesn't make sense for many mm -hmm. new investors that are trying to purchase your home potentially. Yeah, exactly. And then sometimes tenants can be very difficult and in leaving. So it makes it difficult for someone to even evict them so that the person that purchases the property can move in. So you don't want to deal with any of that mess. It just yeah. makes a, a, a lot more sense to just do the yearly rent increases. Stay on par with what the market looks like so that when that time comes and it's time to you know sell the property, it's going to be like 10 times easier. Your property is going to sell for $50,000, $100,000 more because now the new purchaser is going to be absorbing market rent property and they don't even worry. They don't need to worry about placing a tenant in there. So it's so challenging to take them out. Someone who's paying, let's say, again, that $800 a month, lived there for the last 15 or 20 years. That's their home. And you tell them you have to leave your home. Not only do you have to leave your home, but you're going to have to go find somewhere else to rent and it's going to be three, four times more what you're paying right now. Best believe that tenant's going to fight tooth and nail to stay in that property mm -hmm. or to do anything they can not to move out. That's definitely what's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. So homies, <laughs> I think this, this gives you a pretty good idea of purchasing investment properties. Some of the nuances that come with it. Angel, where can we find you at? At your mortgage angel on Instagram. At your mortgage angel on Instagram. You know where to find us at the Lovanos Group. If you haven't already and you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're watching this on app or listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, I'm a big fan of really watching the YouTube videos just because there's typically charts that we put. And then when you subscribe, it really does help us out. And again, if there's ever any questions or anything that you would like answered in a podcast, just let us know. Comment them on the, the YouTube video or send us a direct message. With that said, homies, I want to wish you all the best. Take care and stay safe. Thank you, homies. Hey, homies, it's Angel from the Homies Real Estate Podcast. This podcast contains our opinions and is for educational purposes only. It does not guarantee any projections and should not serve as the basis for any purchase or sale in real estate.